Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, my name is Bennett Pomerantz, if you don't know that already, and this is my segment called Anything Goes, and I am with today, and I do mean it, one of the most beautiful ladies in the world, as long as her husband doesn't kill me. I'm hoping he won't. Melissa no, Kerr. And then, go ahead. No, he won't kill you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Be steady, my. I don't want to. I don't want to end up for getting a suicide. You know, on the show. No, but, no. We're, we're uh, working with gators here, so we we take care of that. Instead of the tiger king, we take care of it with gators. Well, that's all. I you know. What do you think of this tiger king phenomenon? Well, I can understand people being fascinated with tigers. I can't understand people fascinated with the whole train wreck that the show was, but I didn't watch it, so I wasn't a big fan. Thank God. I I didn't either. I was doing other things, and uh, including this show once a week and other things and other projects and everything else. So tell them about yourself, Melissa. I, I know who you are, and I could almost read the liturgy of life, but I'd rather you do it. You're pretty awesome tonight. Well, I probably won't give you all of the uh, highlights that you would, but uh, my name is Melissa Kier, and I am an author, and I have written uh, over 30 stories that have appeared in various box sets and on their own, and the majority of my stories are uh, romance and have to deal with very hot cowboys. I also have a couple of nonfiction stories about musings on life and and true stories about miracles. I uh, was a movie reviewer back in Michigan and went to the movies every week and reviewed movies on the radio station, local radio station. Since then, uh, we've moved to South Carolina in the last year, so my now famous thing to do was to take gator pictures and uh, post uh, things that my gators say and visit with the gators and the turtles. And this week alone, I found a crayfish on my walk in the morning down the road. So I post lots of fun and crazy things going on in my life right now in addition to writing. I'm going to ask a silly question because I just got a a message from a friend of mine and he says to me he says, how was it like moving in this pandemic time? Well, we actually moved a year ago. So we moved prior to the pandemic. Um, The hardest part for us has been 
you know, we had all these plans for family to come down. You know, my daughter was going to come and spend a month with us for her birthday in May. And, you know, all of these family members are going to stay with us. And that didn't happen. And we haven't been able to go back to Michigan and visit our family. So that's been the hardest part. The best part is is that the weather here is so much nicer than in Michigan. So we spend a lot of time outdoors. And even while things are closed down, we still get to go to the beach. And you didn't even invite me yet to this. I mean, I thought you'd at least invite me. Well, the door is always open. Don't tempt me. <laughs> don't tempt me. I don't want to go to Michigan. I want to go to South Carolina. I love it. It's a beautiful place to go. Yeah, we are very fortunate down here. So, you know, the move was nice and easy. Uh, other than the fact that they didn't have our place finished, and so we stayed in a hotel for a month. That was a challenge. So uh, we finally got moved in and got settled, and now during the pandemic we've repainted every room. Oh, and what room is the color of my room? Well, let's see. Your room would be the guest room here, and it's blue on one wall. It's like a blue jean wall color it's got lots of um like decorations and then the other three walls are a gray and it looks out over the pond if you can oh see my god i i'd love to see your gator do you are they big gator friends or little gator friends well i have a variety we have three little ones they're we call them babies even though they're not babies um they're probably at least about two to three years old, and they're in average about uh, two feet long. And then we have a medium-sized one. His name is Brand, and Brand comes back and forth. He's been visiting for the last year, and he's probably about four feet long. And then we have Wally, who is a very big and ornery gator, and he is about six feet long. So well, he's not friend, with us right now. He's gone off to the swamp. A friend of mine lives in the Everglades. And he has a gator. He comes right, the gator comes right up to the porch. And he says, do you remember this scene in Live and Let Die where they fed the meat to him, the chicken to him? And, Uh uh, oh, yeah. And it's like, I have it real life at my back porch. I'm like, oh, how nice. I said, did the gator ever come in to your home? And he says, well, my wife Mona got a, was uh, taking a shower and got out of the shower, and suddenly she came face-to-face with a gator. And she oh. patted it up between the nose, and it just went home, went out. Yeah, it's illegal in South Carolina to feed gators, so I just take pictures of them and have lots of conversations with them, like warning them, because I had a baby, a small gator last year, that went into the bigger pond, and he got eaten. So I was devastated. Tell us more about your career as an author. Well, I've been writing. Yes. So I've been writing now for about eight years, and uh, my first. A story was featured in a box set called Cowboy Up, and that story went international bestseller in five countries, 
and uh, in the U.S. as well. And then the sequel, Cowboy Up 2, went international in three countries, bestseller and in the U.S. And since then, I've just continued to add to this story. So it's the Cowboys, with the Cowboys of Whisper, Colorado. And right now I've got ten stories in that. And I write novellas because I like to be able to read a story uh, before I go to bed and finish it and have that happy ending. And that's one of the reasons why I love romance, because you have to finish with happy ending. And so I write, and then... Um, you know, I love to write what I love to read, and so I'm, I'm writing these stories about guys who, you know, are, are normal guys, but they're cowboys, and, you know, they face things like my latest release that's coming up in the Christmas box set that we're putting out is uh, a sequel to one of my characters who was injured in a bull riding accident, and so he's paralyzed from the waist down. And so, you know, the challenges of what that's like and the challenges of you know, thinking you're unlovable because, you know, you can't do the things that you used to be able to do in that relationship. And this one, you know, he's still got those insecurities, but um, now they're looking at, you know, what does the, what the future hold with children? So. Mm-hmm. so let me ask you, okay, where okay. do you get your inspiration from? Well, a lot of times the stories come from something I've either heard or read. The The hero in Broken Dreams, which is the first one in uh, with this character who's got the, uh, the injury, my girlfriend, who I grew up with in high school, uh, has, has broken her neck three times. Oh. So since she's... She's not paralyzed, but she's dealing with a lot of neurological issues. And, and as a matter of fact, she had to go in at one point and have emergency surgery because the pins and the plates that they put into her neck to hold her neck secure had shifted to the point that they were, you know, pushing through her esophagus. And so she had faced a lot of challenges. So I, you know, spent some time at her place and talked to her and saw some of those challenges that she was going through. And so I took those ideas and incorporated them into a fictional character. But she hasn't gone to you and said, where's my cut of this book or what? Nope. I wrote a a lovely acknowledgement about it at the back of the story, about her story. Uh, She also was a breath expert and had her own company doing that and has worked at healing so, you know, people can find her. That would be great. But, no, she's not interested in a cut of the money. She's doing just fine on her own. So she just likes being an inspiration. She'd like to have the whole world healed. So, Well, let me ask you, okay? I've known you for <clears throat> years. Okay. I haven't said how long, and I don't want to give a number. But, you know, you and I know each other for years, okay? Yeah. Um, do you find the world's changed because of, I don't hate to say the words, pandemic? Uh, is the world changed enough for you or, or what? Well, I think we're all dealing with the changes from it. I mean, you, you go out to the grocery store and you're wearing a mask and you're social distancing. Like I said, the hardest part is I haven't been able to see my kids. I haven't been back to see my father. haven't seen my in-laws. Um, you know, we don't go out places 
you know, we have to social distance. I think the biggest place we go is to the beach, and we go for a couple hours right when sunrise hits, and by 10 a.m. we're back home because it's just, you know, getting too crowded. So we're taking it very seriously because, sadly, you know, at our age, don't want to say what that is, but, you know, we're you know, not a youngster. We're not a teen. So, you know, oh, I was trying to be nice. I said 16. Yeah, well, we're not a teen. But, you know, there's enough danger involved that we don't want to have a a problem. And, you know, I know that if something happens to me, it's going to be given to my husband. And he he knows the same because, you know, you can't separate that much at home. So I, I do think it's changed, I think, in those ways. Now, is it still a place where people care about each other? Yes. Is it still a place where people love to read stories? Yes. Is it still a place where people are trying to earn a living and have families? Yes. Um, all of those things are still happening, and, and you know, it's just a, a unique situation. So instead of visiting with my dad, I email my dad. I don't think I've ever talked to my dad this much as now that I'm emailing him almost three times a week. You know, and, and social media has allowed me to talk to my kids a lot more. So I can see you what's going on in their lives. You don't that much. I'm hurt. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding with you. You know that. I've known you long uh, enough. I can kid with you. I think I can anyway. But what do you find? Do you, okay, I'm going to ask this, and I've asked this of a lot of people. Do you think there will ever be a cure for this plague it sounds like it's going to be much like the flu that we're going to constantly be dealing with a new variety, but I'm not an expert, so I don't know. I just know that we won't go back to the way it was. It'll be like after the AIDS epidemic and things will be different. Yeah, but the AIDS epidemic, if I could say, I'll be happy. With the AIDS mm-hmm. epidemic, we didn't have to mask and we didn't have to social distance and we didn't have to, you know, do this, that, or the other. That's what right. bothers me. It freaks me out a little because, you know, you can't go in the grocery store if there's eight people or nine people in there. You can't, you know, or ten people. And they even have walk this way signs. You can't go out the in a line, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Which bothers yep. me. Yeah, it, and I feel think- like I, I get so guilty when I go down the wrong way or I, I, I forget I need to go down. i got to go all the way around and go back up the next aisle because I can't find. Yeah, I, I just, it's just the way it is right now. And, and like I said, I don't want to take the risk of bringing something home. I don't want to take the risk of harming someone. That's why we haven't gone back to Michigan because it would kill me if I went home and caused somebody's illness. Understood. Um, let me try to find it. So how's the writing really going? Are You were saying you're in a collection this December or this November. What else so have you been I have, doing? I have lots of stories started, and I'm really great at great beginnings and getting the stories going. I have like two other stories that I have about 5,000 words in. And so I've got some great beginnings. I've got some amazing ideas. But, yeah, my mojo is just kind of, in February and January, I took a long-term sub-job, 
down here in South Carolina uh, because I was a substitute teacher. I was I was a teacher for 16 years, so I came down here and thought, you know, I miss the kids. I want to get out, and so I took a long-term sub job. That took a lot of time, and immediately when that was done, I went back to making sure that I got my story done for the box set that was coming up at the fall. But that's the only story that I've completed this year, and I used to write at least three. I know you used to write three or four. I used to, I I used to when I did the show, not once. You know, I used to have a half hour show. We used to not have room for everything else in mind. You know, it was so you know so much time. Let me do a little homework. Not that I don't want to talk to you, but let me do a little homework, okay? okay? On the third. Attorney Sarah Steele will be back in in, in my clutches. <laughs> no, all kidding aside. Sarah Steele will be my guest on the third. Uh, for she and I will be talking legal implications for this pandemic. On the tenth, Elaine Beats, lovely novelist, wonderful person, will be here on the tenth. And on the seventeenth, S. Evan Townsend. Said so try to say that three times fast. S. Evan Townsend. And on the 24th, Jean Marie Spacusa is talking about her night, uh, film Nightwing, uh, Night Winds, if I can say it, I'll be happy. And Nanette Hoffman will be here on October 1. So I, I, I haven't done anything, you know, it's, I'm lazy today. But, um, I mean, we have guests upcoming all the way through Thanksgiving, so it's gonna it's it's got a lovely time coming up for anything goes, and I have such wonderful guests like my current one, and uh, so tell me about these gator pictures. How did you start getting into gators? That didn't come out. Well, did that come out right? when you? Yeah, sure. They're not they're not the ones I wear on my feet. You're, you know, they're not shoes. They're not pocketbooks these are real live gators we have uh, a couple of ponds where we live is there's a wildlife refuge um, behind some of the houses and so the smaller ponds we get some gators that come in and so it's always interesting there's turtles in the pond there's fish in the pond but the gators have always interested me because they're so dangerous and you start feeling like oh my gosh what am I going to do with you know that they're just scary and then I started seeing last, um, must have been October, a small one. And he was probably about a foot and a half. So he's probably about two years, three years old. And I named him Gus because I asked my daughter what to name him. And so I kind of watched him every day to check to make sure he was okay and to see what he was doing and where he was. And every day, you know, he was in this one pond and he was doing what he needed to do and he was just fine. And then one day he went over to the other pond. No, sadly. No, he's not still around. He went to the other pond, and the other pond was bigger, and there was a bigger gator in the other pond, and the bigger gator ate him. So um, I've been taking pictures of the gators now, trying to get different shots of them, trying to see how big they are. And so I started cataloging how many gators we've had here in my neighborhood and seeing the different personalities that they have. You're not giving them birthday hats or something? 
No, no, no. We don't have any mamas with babies. That's you know we've got the older ones. The, the I tell you, we've got the toddlers and we've got the teenagers. So if you can well, imagine, no, there, toddlers and teenagers in alligator Somebody just asked me a question. Would you ever decide to do any? I can't say stunt photos, but you know what I'm talking about when I say stunt photos, right? You mean like getting in there and touching the gator or taking a picture yeah, with a selfie? Or, or basically give them a birthday hat and it's his birthday. Happy birthday, you know. <laughs> um, I haven't thought about doing any like Photoshopping weird things with my gators. Right now I've just been taking pictures of them and like seeing the different colors, like they have different eyes, they have different colors, they are different sizes, their tails are all unique. And then some of them come and go. So we have this really big one. His name is Wally. One of the kids in the neighborhood named him. And he's big. He's like six feet. He's black, totally black, no stripes. He's got a very spiky tail that like sits up. And he's kind of aggressive. He's the teenager one. So I'm thinking he's about, you know, 15 years old because they can live to be about 60 years old. And so he gets really aggressive sometimes to the other gators and to the guys who come by and weed whack around the ponds. And they will hold the weed whackers, these little, you know, gas-powered weed whackers up on their shoulder, and he won't move. And they're, like, threatening him, like, I'm going to get you with this weed whacker. And they're like, no, you're not. We don't care. I don't care. And the minute the guy walks away, Wally will go down in the water. And the guy will come down to try and weed whack, and Wally will come back up out of the water and sit back down. So he's, like, taunting. He's just kind of a, a goofball. But, you know, they're just something interesting to do. I've rescued probably about five to seven turtles who were crawling in the middle of the road that I needed to save so that they couldn't get run over by cars. And, uh, you know, I've caught some snakes and a lot of birds, you know, seeing what they're doing around here, taking pictures. And just this week, there was a crayfish walking down the middle of the road. And did you save it, or did you toss it in the water, or what? No, that one, He every time I got close enough to him, he kept putting his pinchers at me, and I was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I don't have my gloves. You're going to be all by yourself. So I let him go. But let me ask you this. Have you thought of doing, uh, dare I say, animal tales with the... Um, with the with the gators? I have. As a matter of fact, when I first moved in here, I had the idea to write a shifter book about an alligator. And I have the whole story mapped out. I just haven't sat down and wrote it. So I'll I've got the idea. Do. You do it, and I'll write the forward, okay? All right. You think I'm kidding? No, I know you'll do it. You You make promises, you keep them. You write it, I'll I'll do it, okay? All right. I have, I have a reader right. that just messaged me and said, yeah, sure, you won't do it. I said, ask Leanne Sadaheim Murphy. I did it for her. I do it for other people. So, you know, you can, yeah, I do what I'm told or I do what I I'll, promise. I'll take it to the bank. 
Hey, yeah. And if you get four cents for it, you're really doing positive. It's like a no deposit, no return. Uh, do you, but have you thought of writing gator stories? You know, I thought about doing, I, I actually last year wrote two children's books. And so mm-hmm. I've got a sequel to one of the children's books in the works. And I thought about doing books with the photos of the gators and tell like a children's book story. But again, that motivation kind of is like, yeah, maybe I'll, and then I just haven't done it yet. Do it. Okay. How can I motivate you, Benny, better? I don't want your husband <laughs> to get jealous. So uh, I'm just saying, how can I motivate you to do it? I would love to see it. You are a talent, and I will say this because I know the woman, but I also read her stuff. She is a talented, talented lady. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Um, but do you find that, that you know, motivation, you, you, you don't, you're not as motivated these days than anything else? I've done a few other things, like I was working on some jewelry, so I was creating bracelets and put them up on my website for sale. They're really cool, um, like leather banded bracelets. Uh, For a while there, I was doing some necklaces uh, made out of the shells from the beach. So I was doing a lot of more art than writing as an art. But do you miss it, writing as an art, or do you find it that it's, how can I say it, um, an out, uh, the out, you know, it's like, uh, it's like losing a finger or losing an arm. You still, the, uh, the, you still feel like you have to have an outlet for it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I, I do, um, I walk every morning two miles. And so during my walk in the morning, I'm usually brainstorming where I want the story to go next or uh, what I think is working in the story or what is not working in the story or maybe I'll come up with another story because it's my quiet time, just me. And so I do, you know, two miles around the neighborhood and I find that that's a great time. The problem comes in, I get home and then immediately I get caught up in what do I need to do around the house today? You know, since we've moved, we've done, we actually, we moved with almost none of our furniture, none of our belongings. We got rid of almost everything. We moved with like one of those little itty bitty pods. So we had very few things come with us. And so when we bought our house, we had to get brand new furnishings. We had to buy things for the house and then, we started painting. So I've been doing a lot of things around here, and then I've been doing a lot more exercising. So, you know, that quarantine 15, i got to battle that. So, But I do still, like I sat down and wrote during the month of June and July the entire story that I did for the box set. So it is right now August. Yep. 
Yeah. Have anything else you're going to be doing for next year? Because I've, you've already got this year's story for the collection. Is there anything you're going to be doing for next year or starting for next year? Well, I have two stories that I've started that I'd like to finish. And one is another Western. And um, it's about a musician, a country musician, who goes and decides that the stage life may not be all it's cracked up to be. So he goes back to his roots. And the other story is one that I started, and it is, a shifter story, but she's a fish. So, you know, uh, my shifter stories... (laughs) My shifter stories are not normal. They usually have more than one shape. The shifter story, my secret mate, he has a dragon shape and a dog shape in addition to his human shape. So she's got a human shape and a fish shape. And we'll see if she comes up with a third. So is it the, the when you say shifter and I know what a shifter is, but when you say shifter, do you is it like there I say Wonderpin Towers activate and shape of such and such? Do you think that no. or not? More like more like werewolf. You know, you have to change the shape during times or certain things. So the idea for that story kind of was like the movie Splash, you know, where you've got this guy who falls in love with a mermaid and then when she gets wet, well, in this case, my guy is a fisherman and she is somebody who's out to protect the shifters, particularly the aquatic shifters, from being found out and getting caught in nets and things like that. Now, let me ask you, in this Sometimes it's so hard when you're trying to maneuver a wheelchair while you're trying to get to the phone. Um, Do you find creativity? You said that it's almost at a no, nil, whatever. What else can we do to be creative these days other than walking? You say you have stories and then... Of course, they peter out because you don't have you don't have them in you. Well, and I think sometimes for me right now, I need knowing that I have that due date. So for this story for the box set, I knew that it was going it needed to be done by September first, which meant I needed to have it done and edited by September first, which means I needed to have it done and written at least a month and a half prior to September 1st. So that nagging thing sitting there saying, you've got to get this done, you've got to get this done, you've got to get this done, made sure that I made time every day to sit down and get it done. Right now, I've been not having a due date that I have to get something done. So I've been more flexible in, well, I'll write the first 5,000 of this story, I'll write another three chapters in this story. So I'm switching between like three different stories and getting, you know, 500 words here or, you know, when I feel like it. But then I'm doing other creative things like I'm making jewelry or I've been cooking a lot, baking. I mean, my poor neighbors, they get cookies and desserts all the time. 
and now the the guy who's working on one of the buildings over there, I keep giving him things. So I try and find an outlet. Well, you can always ship me a pie or two. I'll take them. Sure. I don't know how they'll last in the mail since I, mail's not I always real reliable. It. When it gets when it gets more wintry, I hope it'll okay. it'll last. But. I, I, Any time, I, I would love a, I would love a little, some surprise, and I know you're yeah, a good l- cook. You have discussed it. Yeah, my last one that I was making were sprinkle sugar cookies. So sugar cookies with sprinkles in it, with frosting on top, and little M and M's. I feel I'm, like I'm, I'm working to increase everybody's diabetes around here. I already have it, so I don't need to worry about it. But you have my tongue going all the way down and salivating. It's just, oh, God, I, I, I love good uh, food. And somebody and said, Any dessert can be made better by putting frosting on top. Can we quote you on that? Sure. I put frosting on my brownies. I put frosting on my scones. <laughs> yeah, I got a sweet tooth, I guess. I right now you should see. I mean, I wish this was not just radio because if it was pictures, you'd see me salivating. I I am just so lucky to, you know, I have I have friends that are great cooks. My late friend Antoine Evans. Uh, he and I used to. Uh, talk cooking for three and four hours and how he would do a pot roast or meal and I would come to his house this is years ago of course he's no longer with us but I used to come to his house every Thanksgiving and he made his mushrooms oh and he made a pot of mushrooms not a little pot we're talking a big pot and the first thing he would say is, make sure you taste my mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> How much wine did you use? Oh, about a half a bottle. Oh, yeah. We were soused by the end of the day. And the tur- turkey, his wife, Jean, made the greatest turkey in the world. Oh, God. And I remember once that we got venison. And he made it. Oh, God. I, I love to cook, and he made venison, and I was just enamored by this. So it is just a lovely, lovely thing when, you, when you're talking about um, the lady in Twin Evans and myself. I mean, he, we would talk cooking for hours. So I love, you know, and it wasn't just bake things. It was everything, you know. I mean, that's so important. That cooking is just so important. It makes people feel so welcome. It makes um, people your home feel even homier, and and it's a great way to show how much you care about someone is cooking for them. Well, I'm glad you think that because some people telling me, no, I don't like cooking. They'd rather go to McDonald's and cook, you know. Well, I don't like 
cooking every day because I usually end up using lots of pots and pans and cleaning and making a mess and doing all of that. But, you know, I, I do enjoy cooking. I made a, a roast yesterday, but it was a pork roast in the slow cooker with mm. um, uh, with the sauce on it. And, you know, it, it just falls off the bone. It's just, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's perfect. And I wasn't invited to dinner. I mean, really, I would have just been, I would have been there with my knife and fork and just, I was there, you know. Well, some of these are, are good. Like that one was a good one. Some of them are failures. You you don't want to see some of my failures. Oh, yes, I do. That, that but it's another way. Taught, go ahead. It's just another way of, you know, like something to do, being creative, trying something new. Well, I had a gentleman, he says, I'd rather fail than succeed. I said, why? He says, because it's more interesting. Mm. And yep. I, he told me that, and I was like, yeah, right, sure. Now I believe him. It is it is a fascinating thing to watch somebody's failures. And I'm not saying fail. Okay? There are some books that are failures to me. As a reviewer, I said how much of a failure it was. But when talking to the author or talking to other people, they're like, oh, yeah. They'd rather fail than succeed. That's the only way talking you're going to learn. Talking about that, what book have you thought was a failure, which was a success? Of mine? Yes. Um. Probably Chalkboard Romance. Um, When that was first released, it was released on its own. And it received, you know, some people liked it, but it just really didn't get an audience. And then I put it in a set, in a box set with some other authors, and it took off. And people really liked it. And I still have people who have read it today, you know, new readers. And they really liked the story and found the story engaging. What do you find the greatest fan moment you had? Uh, There were two. The greatest fan moment when I was the fan was when I got to meet Laurel K. Hamilton. She's one of my favorite authors. And I got to meet her and have pictures taken with her and be a part of a question and answer session. And so getting a signed book and all of that, um, you know, she's somebody who has been consistently writing for many, many years. She's got, you know, 27 books in her series, 28 books in her series. And, you know, she just keeps going and going. And I, I find that that's inspiring. Now, the favorite, the moment when somebody saw me as a celebrity was when I was at a book signing in San Antonio, and one of the girls came up to me who had read one of my stories, and she was introduced to me because she hadn't met me yet, and she just started crying. She was just so happy to meet me. 
Um, and her and I have become very close friends since then. But it's just one of those, you know, having somebody say that they really appreciate and value what you've written. But that makes a difference. It, it does. But you know what I found, I find amazing is I, I'm, I, I, I sit in my home office and type on, a, not, on com, not on a typewriter, but type on my computer. I mean, I used to type on a typewriter. I'll tell you how long ago it was, okay? <laughs> and the, 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 the people, I, I, they used to have audio book stores. Now you can get everything online. But they used to have audio book stores. And one audio book shop told me, well, we'll pay for your way out there. I said, okay. And I expected 10, 15, 20 people max, okay? The line was around the block. Wow. And I said, who are they all coming for? And the, the manager looked at me and says, they're coming for you. I said, thanks. And it scared the pants out of me because when you're writing, and you know this as well, when you're writing, you don't see the audience always behind you. And when they suddenly come in and, and acknowledge you, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I'm very fortunate when I get to hear from people who like what I've written. You know, so often writing feels like it's being done in isolation. And even when I send a book out, not everybody who reads my stories contacts me to tell me whether or not they liked it or didn't like it. And so in many cases, I feel like, you know, I'm just putting something out in the wind and hoping that maybe it would hit somebody. So when I do hear from someone, that does make my uh, makes my day. I mean, it's really important. Well, what what amazes me is uh, an editor once told me this. He says, you know, if you don't get rejected, you've succeeded. Don't worry about it. I said, what if I get rejected? He says, well, then handle it. Well, okay. and that goes back to that failure. Everybody's got to, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a struggle in everything. Nothing comes easy. It's not worth it if it does. Well, I want to see you writing more. How can I help you? <laughs> well, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, um, this pandemic would go away and I'd have a lot more exciting and interesting. And I think some of what's going on is, is that people aren't reading as much. And so I feel like if I'm putting books out there, there's not as much interest in reading. And so it's almost like a, oh, why bother? But, you know, I still feel the need to do it for myself. And I still put the words down on paper. So hopefully uh, I will put a deadline in front of me. What deadline is in front of you now, or what deadline can I help you with? Well, I think, um, let's see, we've got September, October, November, December. I have the one box set coming out in October, and I'm in another box set that I am putting another Christmas story of mine in. 
So I will have two box sets, two stories out in October. What I hope is that by Christmas, by New Year's, I can have my other cowboy story done because that's the one that I was really passionate to get writing. Well, either September or October, I bet you back on to talk about it. So I hope so. Um, All right. Promise me. All right. You've never reneged on a promise, so promise me. I promise you, you can, you can, you can text me on New Year's Eve and say, "Where is this book? Is it done?" Don't don't tempt the tempter. I will do it. You know. Oh, perfectly fine. I I will I will get it done. I the funniest thing is I had a person once say, "You'll never do this," and on they said, and I said New Year's Eve, and they said, "Sure." And New Year's Eve, I texted him, and he says to me, don't bother me, it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> so I'm a pretty boring New Year's person. What Do you do you go out? I, I feel like that's not, not this so... year. Not no, this nobody year. should go out this year. Uh, I'm weird with New Year's Eve. I usually, I, I I did my stints, I was 17 and 18, and I did my stints in New York, in Times Square. This is long before the pandemic, kiddies. And, uh, you know, I, everybody was the summer of love, almost. It was like everybody loved each other. It was not gang violence. It was not this, that, or the other. Everybody hugged each other. When you when it was New Year's Eve, everybody kissed and loved each other and thought, even if you weren't with the person, you know, it was wonderful. I, I remember one, I was like 18 years old, my friend Rick and I went downtown and watched the ball drop. And it was pandemonium and people were being real. They loved each other. I mean, you wouldn't expect that nowadays. They won't even, it, it's like, let's distance, no. It was beautiful just to, to, to have human beings have human beings. You know what I mean? It's so exciting. It would be so wonderful to be able to do that. But, well, New Year's yeah. Eve used to be a wonderful trip. It used to be so, how can I express it? It used to be, a wonderful time for people just to get together and and have a good time. And nowadays, you're not going to get that. Uh, there have been times I had New Year's Eve, just my family. Uh, my my aunt and, and some of her children were there, and we just all together had New Year's Eve. And I had the most bizarre New Year's Eve because one of my cousins, and they're very, very religious, Jewish religious. And New Year's Eve was on a Saturday. So there was no New Year's Eve, uh, Friday, sorry, was on a Friday. And there was no celebration. You all went to bed at 10 o'clock. There were no lights on in the house. Because every everybody was in watch had candles, 
And right. once that candle burnt out, you were gone. You had to either go to bed or whatever. No radio, no television, no nothing. And you woke up the next morning, and it was freezing outside. It was New Year's Day, trust me. And this was in Muncie, New York. And if my cousins are listening, hi there, guys. Um, but it was Muncie, New York. And, oh, God, everybody and his brother was there, and people walked to uh, synagogue. I was going to say shul, but walked to synagogue and and was very religious, and it was a wonderful community in Muncie, New York. Um, they don't do that anymore, or they, do, they still do that, but you don't hear about it that much. No. No, you don't. And so... So, so when's your Gator book coming out? <laughs> well, if you want to see my pictures, um, you'll have to go on my Facebook or my Instagram and see them. Uh, I actually have taken some of my pictures and had them printed on canvas so I can use them in my home because I have pictures that I really like of the animals. And people are always like, oh, you're getting too close. You just... A uh, guy working in the one pond yesterday, and I was out there, and I the gator was in the pond, and he was in the pond. And I'm like, you do know the gator's here? He's like, yeah, he came over for a minute, but then he saw that I was too big and not interested, and he went and he went to the other side of the pond. And I'm like, okay. So I mean, they're they're pretty immature gators. They're not the ones that you know, aggressive that you see. You know, they're not the adults. So it's kind of fun to to kind of watch them and take pictures. Are these in okay? And um, you, when you're saying your pond is, do you own the pond or is it a public community or what? It's in our community. And I they don't have a sign saying trespassers will be eaten or anything. Jeez. No, no. Unfortunately, they believe that the sign would just encourage people. But the guy was there working on the fountain because the the pond has a fountain. And so he was there with a purpose to work on the fountain. And, uh, you know, it's funny because some of the other people who come in to work in the area aren't as always aware of the gators. And we had a guy probably about a month ago who was working on the filtration system that we use for the pool and the pond uses, they use the pond water to water the grass. And so he was over there working on digging near the pond and I said, by the way, there is a gator in the pond. And he's like, there is? And I'm like, yeah, he's right over there and he's watching you. The guy's like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's okay. He's not a, he's not a mean gator and he probably won't bother you, but I just want you to know so you don't freak out. God, it wouldn't freak me out, but it was like, uh, what do you give it for a snack? And I don't mean me. Yeah, yeah, no. It's – I. I have seen people feed the gators, and we've reported them because you're not supposed to feed the gators. We don't want the gators to get into trouble. We don't want them to start thinking that humans are related to food uh, because then they're going to be euthanized. And so, you know, we keep a safe distance, and we treat them with respect because we want to see them grow, and, and so I just take pictures. But, yeah, they're fun. That's all that matters. It is, a, it is a, that's why I said, when is your gator book coming out? Because I think you're 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 not setting yourself up, but trying to 
get a gator, get a gator story or something in soon. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a Shakespeare. I mean a real life Melissa and the Gators. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I I could definitely see that. I'm sure that the the uh, people in the neighborhood think I'm already strange. I've started using the hashtag Gator Girl because I go out and I go to all the ponds and take pictures of all the gators and I've named them or asked the children to name them in the neighborhood. So I, I know that the neighbors think I'm strange. Melissa, you're not strange. I, I Aren't will we all? say this now. I will say this later. You're not strange. I mean, next time I talk to you, I say, hey, gator girl, how are you? Don't hit me. I won't. I won't. It's my hashtag. Right. I, I, I'm now saying that that's who I am. I'm the gator girl. I go out there and I let, take the pictures and identify the gators that we have and you know, see where they are. And everybody comes up to me now in the neighborhood and they're like, where are the gators? I'm like, well, it's too warm for them. They've gone off for a little bit. They'll be back. So where do they go when you're not photographing them? When your models are not available, where, where do they go? We have um, the wild, Waccamaw Wildlife Refuge behind our, our subdivision. So it's attached to the PD River, and it's attached to the Waccamaw River. And so a lot of the bigger gators will go over there because that's where they're going to be able to find bigger food. We do have uh, probably about a two-foot carp as the biggest fish in our big pond but we have like three ponds and two swamps and then that wildlife refuge. So if they're not in one of the couple of ponds, it's entirely possible that they're in one of the swamps or that they've gone over to the wildlife refuge. And the bigger ones will go to the wildlife refuge or they'll head over. We've got a couple of really big uh, gators on the golf courses around here. So, so have we thought of trying to teach the gator how to golf? That would be fun, but I don't think he wants to take up golf. Although the ones on the golf course, I've seen them take the balls and keep them. So if you find a, a gator near your golf ball, you don't go get it. Like, it's his. Yeah, they give you three strokes and suddenly it's like, no, a gator got my ball. Yeah, right. It's, it's a great excuse you can always use when you play. Oh, I don't like the lie. The gator got it. I'll try a new one. I'll drop here. Those don't count, right? Right. Like I golf so much. Not lately, anyway. Uh, Tell them what is coming out for Christmas so these people can tell them. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) These people want to know what's coming out for Christmas. Awesome. I have a box set that will be released September 1st. We don't have a title yet because we always work together. To, I mean, will be released October 1st. We don't have a title yet for it, uh, but that will feature uh, my story, A Broken Cowboy. And then the story itself will be released shortly after uh, the box set, which will be only available in three months. And then the story will be released on its own. I also have another story that will be in All I Want for Christmas, which is another anthology with 15 authors. And that will also be out, uh, I believe that one is November 1st. 
And you can always find my books on my website, melissacure.com. And uh, currently, if you want to find a bracelet, I've got bracelets for there, too. Don't tempt me. I, I need to buy a bracelet from for my cousin. So, you know, don't tempt me. I may have to go there and, and, and plead for your mercy and get me a bracelet for her. Um, well, I'd be happy to. I'd be honored to make something for her. This she's twenty two. It's not a little kid. This is an adult. I'm feeling old. That's okay. I I know. Yeah, you, you ever notice the the kids when they were kids were great. Now they're twenty two and twenty three, and you're feeling really old. Oh yeah, didn't you just see that post? Macaulay Culkin turned forty. How old are we now? Oh, don't scare me like this. I am. You're scaring me. I am really scared about this. I'm feeling really, really old. Because uh, I used to say, oh, yeah, you heat it in the microwave. And they said, well, you don't mean the oven? No, I mean the microwave. Oh, and, you know, 15 years ago, if you said heat it in the microwave, they looked at you like you had three heads. Now it's 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 so this so what do we have upcoming other than this? Just those two collections or do you have more in the the hopper that I gotta press you for getting? Well, as I just mentioned to you, I've made you a promise that I'm gonna finish the other cowboy story for New Year's Eve. So I'll have that one and then that one will release um after the new year. And then, of course, you know, people can always find any of my books, my two children's books or the book that my mother wrote. And I went back and found her old manuscript that she had typed up in the 1980s and had it published uh, posthumously. She passed away 25 years ago. So I actually have my mom's book published, too. Well, let me, let me before we close, I, I need to make sure... Next week on Anything Goes, Sarah Steele will be here talking legal questions of this pandemic and legal questions otherwise. She's a very, very knowledgeable attorney. And on the 10th, Elaine Veets will be in the hot seat with me, and it will be a, a lovely evening, a lovely afternoon. So I, I for Melissa Kerr and myself, good night. Fly right. Be well. Good night. Are we all done?